Yes. In the grand scheme of things, it's not huge. Focus on your movements. Now's the time that you're going to lift heavy, push heavy. You're going to notice you're so strong. Suck up those moments because it's so sweet. Once she's been eating at that maintenance calories, this is just an example, 2000 calories. Okay. Now she's like, okay, I've been doing this six months, feeling really strong. Going to start cutting. Hey, my name is Leanne Vogel. I'm fascinated with helping women navigate how to eat, move, and care for their bodies using a low-carb diet. I'm a small-town holistic nutritionist turned three-time international best-selling author turned functional medicine practitioner, offering telemedicine services around the globe to women looking to better their health and stop second-guessing themselves. I'm here to teach you how to wade through the wellness noise to get to the good stuff that'll help you achieve your goals. We're supporting your low-carb life beyond the if-it-fits-your-macros conversation. Hormones, emotions, relationship to your body, workouts, letdowns, motivation, blood work, detoxing, metabolism. I'm providing the tools to put your motivation into action. Think of it like quality time with your bestie mixed with a little med school so you're empowered at your next doctor visit. Get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn about your body and how to care for it better. This is the Keto Diet Podcast. Hello, my friend. We are talking about body recomposition, hence the title of today's episode. We've been talking about this here and there over the last couple of months, and many of you have been just so interested in this um, that we published a episode on January 2nd called Ultimate Guide to Changing Your Body in 2024. I felt like I went through some really key pieces. I know that it was super beneficial for you guys, but many of you had questions and I wanted to do a super fun Q&A where we just go through everything. I answer as much as possible until I lose my voice. And so I'm excited. We have like over 50 questions. We'll see how much we're able to get through. Many of them have to do with calculating your macros, how to know what macros are right for you, how to calculate those for your body, your goals, your movement, to the point where I know over this audio, I won't be able to assist everyone in personalizing their macros because it is such a personalization situation. So here's what I've done to try to make sure that I can be of service to everyone who requires it. If you go to healthfulpursuit.com slash macro, I'll include this link in the show notes today. So if you're not sure how to spell healthful pursuit, no problem. Healthfulpursuit.com slash macro. I've put together a personalized macros program for $97 where once you've purchased it, you fill in a bunch of information about yourself and I prepare your macros for you. And within those, they're going to be either keto macros or non-keto macros. So you just tell me, do you want to do this keto or do you want to do this like low carbish? And also those macros will have templates for what your macros would look like in fat loss, what they look for in muscle gain and what they look like for a body recomposition. Really think of body recomposition as maintaining maintenance calories while you're both losing fat and gaining muscle. Okay. So I'll go through all those items with you within your program and make it really easy for you to understand how to go about all of this. Okay. So once you go to healthfulpursuit.com slash macro, you're going to add that item to your cart and then fill in a bunch of details about yourself. And I'll be in touch with you on February 10th to go through your program with you. I'll provide you with a PDF with your personalized macro outline and how to make decisions for yourself, how to prepare meals for yourself, 
I'm really excited to offer this. So if after listening to today's episode, you're like, I still don't understand, like, how do I make this work for me? Don't worry, I have you covered. So again, it's healthfulpursuit.com slash macro. Okay, let's get into our first question. And this, I've covered this a couple of times, but I felt like it beneficial because we're going to be talking about both a keto template as well as a higher carb yet still low carb template, how to know it's time to eat more carbohydrates. So I made this decision about two years ago when I started moving my body more. I didn't want to move my body more and play around with keto macros anymore. It was, I was kind of at a point where the ketogenic diet had done what I knew it needed to do, which was get my period back. And I didn't feel like I needed to continue on the keto path. And when you're working out on keto, it is a lot more challenging to just maintain energy, especially for an individual like myself who has thyroid issues and my adrenals are quite sensitive. And so I just thought, because I'm going to be pushing myself in the gym and giving it my all, I don't want to also have to be really, really strict with making sure that I'm having enough fats and just all of that just felt overwhelming to me. So I thought, Hey, why don't I just eat carbs and see how it goes? It's been really successful. I think if you are a runner and you're doing more cardio-based workouts, it would make a lot of sense to just stay keto. If you are wanting to lift those short burst, high-intensity interval kind of workouts, you're probably going to be better off with carbohydrates. Now, how many carbohydrates you need completely depends on the individual And so I think a good sign is asking yourself, why did I start the ketogenic diet? And have I achieved those things on my ketogenic diet? And if you have, it might be a good time to bring in carbohydrates. It might also be a good time to bring in carbohydrates. If you have been eating keto for a really long time, you're not experiencing any benefits. You've tried it. It's not working. Oftentimes these individuals are slow oxidizers. And so you require a lot more carbohydrates than what a a low carb diet would provide to you. Now within the, do I eat more carbs template? What I'm not saying is that you start pounding back 300 grams of carbs. When I was in the highest level of my bulk last year, when I was eating a significant amount of food, the most I got to was 300 grams and it was a stretch. Let me tell you. So usually when you're moving your body, which we should all be doing in some capacity, whether you're, when you're moving your body and eating carbohydrates, generally that carbohydrate amount is anywhere between 125 to like 200 ish grams of carbs, maybe 220 if you're like really pushing it depending on your body and what the requirements are. But that's generally as high as I usually see on my one-to-one clients when we're doing our macro shifts. So what I mean by a slow oxidizer, these are individuals that are going to have slow thyroid activity and slow adrenal activity generally, whereas a fast oxidizer who requires slower fuel, aka fat, is going to have fast thyroid activity and fast adrenal activity, okay? So you can see just if you know that you have slow thyroid, you know that you have slow adrenals, probably a ketogenic diet is not going to benefit you because a slow oxidizer who has both slow thyroid activity and slow adrenal activity needs a fast energy source, which is carbs. Whereas a fast thyroid activity, fast adrenal activity requires a slow fuel, which is fat. So that's why when we're running, we need that slow, nice and steady flow of energy, which is fat. 
Whereas when we're doing short bursts of energy, like in a high intensity interval training sort of situation, um, carbohydrates or glycogen work a lot better. Okay. So moving on to our next question, how do you decide what exercise to do for lifting and how do you know, or do you know of any free apps that work well to keep track of your lifting progress? Okay. I know that we all have like apps in the back of our minds and we're constantly thinking what app can make this easier. Here's what works for me. And I super love it is once I've developed my training program, I will put it into Google sheets and I've added the Google sheets, like the Google drive um, app to my phone. And I access my Google sheet and it has all of my weights for each movement in that sheet. Okay. So it starts off with a, and this is what I develop for my clients when they want workout programs is that it'll have a Google sheet and it'll have week one and then all their workouts. And once they finish week one, they duplicate the week one tab and then they have a week two tab and then they put all their weights in there for all their exercises and that helps you keep track of your lifting progress sometimes even what I'll do on lifts where I'm really trying to create this progressive overload meaning progressive overload is every time you go into the gym that lift you make just a tiny bit harder that could be adding another rep that could be going slower on the eccentric movement that could be um, increasing the weight Okay, so usually I'll keep track of what I changed and when. So it encourages me to like, okay, it's been like four weeks and I've been doing, you know, three second eccentric lat pulls. Maybe I'll add five pounds and see how that goes. Okay, so I really, 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 really like Google Sheets for this. And I would encourage you to like spend a couple of minutes after you have your program to put it into Google Sheets. It's also really fun once you finish a program and programs usually range anywhere between like like six to 12 weeks, I usually wouldn't recommend being on a program longer than 12 weeks, then you can save that and then look back on it a year from then and see, oh, wow, you know, my bench press was the bar last year. And now it's an extra 10 pounds. Uh, those bench presses, you know, they're hard. But how do we decide what exercises to do for lifting? So myself, personally, I've done this for a pretty long time, even before um, I took a super long break when I had all the adrenal stuff going on and the hormone stuff going on, I decided that I shouldn't work out and I'm glad that I took that break, but I've been doing this since I was quite young. And so it's pretty easy for me to think of, okay, when I do this movement, it engages my triceps. When I do this movement, it engages my biceps when I, you know, et cetera, et cetera. How you structure your program is really up to you. If you are brand spanking new at this, I wouldn't really suggest making your own program, but I also wouldn't suggest just going into the gym every time and just like choosing whatever you want to do and doing that. Oftentimes, if you're new at moving your body and you don't know what you're doing, most gyms will have a circuit um, where you just go through either an upper body circuit or a lower body circuit, or you could do both upper and lower or half of the upper half of the lower. And then the next time the other half and the other half, but I would say probably the best, the best way to get started. If you're brand new at this and you have no idea what you're doing is to go on YouTube, find a couple of full body dumbbell exercises. Okay. Not Every time you're going to the gym, you're just grabbing a YouTube video and doing it, but like going on YouTube, finding like three full body YouTube videos, whether it be 20 minutes or 30 minutes or 10 minutes, whatever you have to do and rotate those for the next six weeks, really getting a feel for what that feels like, what muscles are activating. So you can start to get yourself in the know about how to move your body and what muscles are engaging. 
really what you want to do when you're setting up your program or even when you're following as a program is to not tire your smaller muscles out first. So for example, the worst thing you can do is when you get into the gym, starting on your triceps, it's a small muscle, your triceps are involved in larger compound movements. And if you tire them out, super targeted like that, you won't be able to do like um, rows, for example, your triceps will just be too tired to do rows, your back is going to be bigger. So you want to work on the back first. Okay. So I know that that doesn't really tell you like what exercises to do for lifting, but hopefully there's enough resources in there that you can get started. There are so many free resources online of free programs that you can find. I would say that if you're doing any like, okay, here's how I would structure it. If you are committing to two days in the gym, I would just do two full body days where maybe you do a full body day on Monday and then one on Thursday and you just repeat that every week. Once you get into three days that you're going to the gym, it makes sense to do certain splits. So maybe I would do an upper body day, a lower body day, and then a full body day. Once you get to four days in the gym, I would do two uppers and two lowers. So you're doing like an upper on Monday, a lower on Wednesday, and Friday you're doing an upper and, you know, Saturday you're doing a lower. I just explained my four-day split right now. Once you get into five days, then you get to decide which area of my body do I want to focus on more. When I was doing a five-day split, I really, really wanted to work on my pull-ups, so I did three upper body days and two lower body days. And so my day, my week looked like Monday was upper, Tuesday was lower, Wednesday was rest, Thursday was upper, Friday was lower, Saturday was upper again. And then we just repeat. So does that make sense? When you get into six days, which is pretty hardcore, then I would do your targeted area. So if you're wanting to work on your pull-ups, for example, you would do three upper body days and two lower body days and then a full body day. Another option is instead of doing a full body day, you could do like a conditional training day where you really push it. Maybe it's a high intensity interval training day. Maybe you're doing sprints on the treadmill, those sorts of things. Six day split is pretty hardcore. I've done it for a while. I don't super love it. I think for me, like the four to five day split is fun. Four is really, really nice because then you have three rest days and you can do other things. But don't discount just getting started, even with just one day a week. It doesn't need to be super complicated. If you're going to do one day a week, the full body training is like ideal. The only thing I would say is when you get started, oftentimes the YouTube videos and things like that, they'll go really, really fast through movements and you won't be able to activate certain muscles and oftentimes you can injure yourself. So try to find videos where they're taking it slow and not like pushing you through the workout super fast because when you're new, you can hurt yourself. And it's really interesting. When I first started working out again after my significant long time not moving my body in this way, I was injuring myself a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. I haven't had an injury since I really slowed things down. I really think it's because I was just powering through the moves and I thought if I went quicker, it would be better. And it just, that's not the case. That mind muscle connection is really, really benefited by taking your time and we're not lifting weights. We're dropping weights. That's like key to remember is like, my goal is not to get this weight over my head and then just like drop it willy nilly. It's really the controlled drop is where the muscle is built. And also when you're thinking about how to prepare for your training and all those things, 
don't discount simply walking. Walking is a great form of exercise. And if you are first starting out with understanding how to recomp your body, how to both lose fat while gaining muscle, walking is a great way to increase your NEAT, your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. And so, yeah, don't discount walking. We know that we lose muscle as we age and that this loss massively affects our ability to function. Like I'm talking basic tasks here. Muscle is important for protecting our joints and also keeping our metabolism revving. Basically, you want muscle. And unfortunately, a lot of us just don't prioritize muscle maintenance or see it as an importance. And you may also be cringing at the idea of going to the gym and being able to maintain that muscle consistently. Yes, active moving is super good, and there's really nothing like it when it comes to the mood boost of pumping iron. (laughs) So when I share about Urolithin A, I am not saying just to do this and you can maintain your muscle without movement. Well, like I am saying that because Urolithin A does do that, but I think pairing Urolithin A with exercise is likely the best path forward. So I started taking a product called MitoPure to boost my performance and improve muscular strength. And MitoPure has 500 milligrams per serving of urolithin A, a postbiotic shown to have major benefits to significantly increasing muscle strength and endurance with no other change in lifestyle. Yes, you heard that right. I just said that it has major benefits to significantly increase muscle strength and endurance with no other change to lifestyle. It gives your body the energy it needs to optimize its cellular power grid through boosted mitochondrial health without changes to lifestyle or diet. Now imagine what it could do with your low carb diet and a walking goal or a lifting goal a couple of times per week. It took me a long time, like a couple of months to introduce MitoPure to my day because it's so strong. Every time I took it, I almost had too much energy. So I really had to titrate up. MitoPure is the first product to offer a precise dose of urolithin A to upgrade mitochondrial function, increase cellular energy and improve muscle strength and endurance. They've created three ways to get your daily dose of 500 milligrams of urolithin A in their product, MitoPure. They've got a delicious vanilla protein powder that combines muscle building protein with the cellular energy of MitoPure. Now this product does contain whey protein. And then they have a berry powder that easily mixes into smoothies or just about any drink. This is dairy free. And finally the soft gels, which is what I prefer because it's just easier. This is also dairy free. I love the starter pack idea though. If you can handle the dairy, the three forms of MitoPure to play around with which one is your favorite top notch. So timeline, the creators of MitoPure is putting together a sweet little offer for you 10% off your first order. So if you go to timelinenutrition.com slash KDP and use the code KDP, you'll get 10% off your order. Again, that's timelinenutrition.com slash KDP. I recommend trying their starter pack with all three formats and picking out your best format. Again, that's timelinenutrition.com nutrition.com slash KDP. Okay. Next question. When you talk about maintenance calories, would that be calculated based on someone's current weight 
or goal weight, assuming that you're overweight and want to lose weight. Okay. This is such a common misconception. Okay. Let's say I'm going to make the math really, really easy. Let's say you're 200 pounds and you want to get down to 150 pounds. If you want to maintain your 200 pounds, you're going to calculate the, the amount of foods that you need on 200 pounds. So this is meaning that you're wanting to recomp your body at 200 pounds. So what you could be doing in that maintenance mode is losing fat, okay, losing fat while also gaining muscle. We have to understand that muscle weighs more than fat. So what's usually going to happen at a body recomp maintenance level of calories in a 200 pound body is that they're going to lose fat, gain muscle, yet stay at that around the 200 pound mark. Now, here's the thing. If you have been eating, say, 1300 calories for the last six plus months, and say you get my personalized macros program, and the calories that I send you are two times more than what you currently eat, you're not going to be able to lose weight at the current calories that you have. It's like going to the grocery store with zero dollars on your bank account and expecting to buy chicken. Okay. You got zero dollars or maybe the chicken is seven dollars. You have five dollars. You're not getting that chicken. You don't have enough money to get the chicken. This is exactly the same. If you are wanting to lose weight, yet you are not currently at your maintenance calories, you are not going to lose fat. That is just, there's not enough money in the bank account to make that happen. There's not enough wiggle room in your metabolism. So oftentimes when you start taking this seriously and you think, I want to recomp my body, meaning I want to lose fat, I want to gain muscle, you cannot do either of these things when you are not eating enough. It's just, there's not enough money in the bank account. So step number one has to be getting to those maintenance calories. Now, this is such a mindset shift. And I know that I've had to do this a couple of times in my life of just, wait a minute, what, uh, I'm not losing weight at this level. What do you mean I have to eat more to lose weight? Like I thought I was eating enough, but I'm clearly not. I think the biggest issue that I see women doing in the keto space, and I, I, I was doing this is like when I wasn't eating keto, I was still eating high fat and high carb. I see this over and over and over and over and over. Most women are overdoing it on fat. Like I know, I know what you're thinking. You're like, there's no way, but <laughs> I see this every day when I onboard a client for macro tracking where we're meeting on a weekly basis and I'm looking through her logs. I'm like, she is eating way too much fat. Either we need to drop the fat we need to drop the carbs. And usually we need to increase the protein. That's kind of the ongoing process. And so when you're calculating your maintenance calories, you're calculating it on your current weight because your maintenance calories at 50 pounds less than you are right now is not your maintenance calories. That's your weight loss calories. So if you calculate your maintenance calories on 50 pounds less than you weigh, that's not how you maintain your current weight. So let's say in like the opposite of this, you're 200 pounds, you get your macros and your calories are bang on what you're doing right now. Or maybe they're even just a touch maintenance calories. Maybe they're a touch lower than what you're eating right now. Say your maintenance calories are 2000 calories a day and you're currently eating 2400 calories a day. 
It's like, okay, I'm totally, you are totally, totally ready to start eating at maintenance calories and recomp your body. Usually we want to be eating at maintenance calories. I know this is going to blow your mind. Huh. We want to be eating at maintenance calories for six months, six months before we start cutting calories. I know, I know, I know what you're thinking. It's like, what do you mean I have to wait six months? But here's the encouragement. If you're setting up your movement program right with walking and lifting two to three times per week, your body is starting to build muscle while burning fat at those maintenance calories. So yes, the scale is not going to move, but I will tell you that your body will be tighter. Your muscles will be like, even underneath the fat, you'll be able to start feeling those muscles. And that's a huge encouragement. So I hope that answers your question. Okay. There was one question um, about the HCG diet. And I had the opportunity to chat with the lady in the Instagram um, to kind of go through, through more details. So her question was the only diet that works for me is HCG. You could really insert any diet that you've done that's quote unquote worked for you. And when I asked her like, okay, what do you define as working for you? And she said, um, working for me is losing the weight. And I said, okay, great. So why do you need to keep doing HCG if it worked? And she's like, well, I gain it back. I'm like, okay. So then it like, it, it, it didn't work though. Right. So what we're trying to do here and what I've, I've really tried to say from the very beginning of my career in nutrition is we need to make sustainable changes. If you're making lifestyle shifts that you can't maintain, like the HCG diet, then it's going to come back. So what we want to see is this slow progression toward change that just becomes your normal. Okay, so HCG diet or insert diet here, if you gained the weight back, it didn't work. So we need to try something else that's probably a lot slower in our process. And I know even when I said you have to wait six months on maintenance to start cutting back calories, maybe I lost some of you. Maybe you'll never talk to me again if you're still listening. Hey, um, but we really, really need to make sure that our body is nourished. So when we start going through these cutting phases, okay, phases, no, you're not in a caloric deficit for more than 12 weeks. You do not need to be in a caloric deficit for more than 12 weeks. We call this diet breaks where when you get to a certain point, you need to take a break, take a breather, like get to maintenance, just like chill out for a little bit where you are before you dive back in. Okay. And yes, the, the reins have to be rather tight. So I went into a cut around July I wasn't super wanting to lose weight, but it kind of just like happened and I got down to whatever weight, it's fine. And then I calculated my maintenance calories and I was eating that way. And then I started eating a little bit more and gained a little bit of weight. And then I, you know, lowered it back to the maintenance. So once you get to that new weight, you calculate the maintenance calories on that new weight and that will keep you at the weight that you are. But if you start eating more, then you're going to gain the weight back. And so if you're doing a diet that cannot be maintained at the maintenance calories, or even when you're eating maintenance calories, you start gaining weight, then there's a problem with the program and it's not working. Okay, next question. Aminos and creatine, are they necessary? Okay, so we did an awesome podcast episode. Let me see if I can find it in the archives because I can't, I have not memorized episodes and things like that. 
So on November 7th of 2023, episode 446, we had Angelo from Keon come in and talk about essential aminos. If you have questions about protein synthesis, your body and protein, I highly recommend checking out that episode next because this will fully help you understand kind of why I personally do aminos, why I think most individuals should do aminos. If you've already listened to that episode and you're looking to get more essential aminos into your life, you can go to getkeon.com slash keto and save 20%. Basically, how I like to use essential aminos is how a lot of people use protein powder. I've found it a lot easier to get it in because protein powder, though I do love protein powder and I have at least one scoop a day, I don't like to push more than one scoop because I like to focus on real food. And so if you are like that too, but you are concerned with your protein synthesis as you're getting older, uh, the lady that asked this question is 58. When we get to 30 plus, the, the more we age, the harder it is for us to use the protein from our foods to make the things happen. And so if you are working hard at the gym and you're trying to develop muscle and you're just not seeing that progress, it could be that you need an essential amino. I really like the Keon product. That's what I've been using. And so how I use this on an ongoing basis right now, I've played with a bunch of different things and I'm sure it'll change. But right now I like having my pre-workout meal. I'm really digging gluten-free waffles with fruit and egg whites. And then when I'm on my way to the gym, I'll start drinking my aminos and I'll drink that through my workout until I run out. And then I'll switch over to my um, just regular water. Uh, The next part of this question is creatine. So remember how at the beginning we were talking about our splits and kind of how to set up your training program. Once you get to three days of training and you're really pushing it, you're doing progressive overload, you're making the lifts more challenging. Creatine makes a lot of sense. Five grams a day. uh, Sometimes people will load creatine where they start off taking 20 grams and then they move to a maintenance amount at five grams. I personally just started taking creatine five grams right out the gate. I really, 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 really love combining creatine with uh, my electrolytes. I usually will do that after my workout. Studies show that combining both the electrolytes and the creatine, super awesome. And so if you are wanting to play around with that, you can go to drinklmnt.com slash KDP to get a free sample pack with your element order. So it's drinkelement.com slash KDP for that one. Okay, next question. If you have lots of extra fat, do you need to worry about muscle gain? Well, yes, not necessarily worry about muscle gain, but you definitely want to gain muscle. Muscle will burn fat. Muscle will increase your metabolism. Muscle will help your hormones. Muscle will help you sleep. Muscle will protect things as you get older. So when you fall, you're not going to break a hip. All these ladies on Instagram with these butts and they're just working so hard on their glutes and building their glutes. I'm like, nobody is going to break hips. Like this is, this is really great. And so if you have a lot of extra fat, this is this old paradigm of like, I want to see the scale move at any cost. Usually when we're seeing the scale move at any cost, it's muscle that we're losing. And that's only going to deteriorate your metabolism more. So if you have quote unquote, lots of extra fat, focus on muscle gain. Again, if you are eating at maintenance or above right now, you're primed to start cutting away calories. If you're eating under your maintenance, then you got to get to maintenance and really just focus on the muscle gain. You can, can lose fat and gain muscle while in maintenance. 
Okay. So you don't need to make this overly complicated. This whole, like, I need to be at a caloric deficit. Plus I need to do cardio. Plus I need to X, Y, Z and all the things in order to uh, lose fat is just not where we're at right now with the literature, which is so great that as women, we can eat at maintenance. We can have enough energy. We can sleep through the night and we can burn fat and gain muscle. So yes, you should care hundred percent. All of us should care. So the next question is how do you know what you should be eating for your body type? I feel like I answered that pretty well, just in the oxidation side of things, the thyroid, the adrenals. Um, yeah, I feel, I feel pretty good about the answers that I've provided so far. How do you know if you're losing fat, gaining muscle without a DEXA scan? Okay. Um, you don't really, um, I don't like DEXA scans. DEXA scans were not made for how we're using them now. I think a bod pod is far more reliable. There are other items. I can't remember the name of them. A lot of gyms will own these products and you basically stand on them. You hold the nodes in your hand and they run a current through your body and give you a fat percentage. Those are the same things that you get on your scale at home. My scale at home says that I'm 29.8% body fat. A bod pod, multiple different bod pods will say that I'm 19, 19.5. So they're way off. Now the DEXA scan is awesome for bone density, but they're not, it wasn't meant for muscle and body recomp. And also they're quite expensive. You're using radiation. So how about just go for a bod pod? A lot of the places now will um, have bod pods that are like in trucks. I go to a bod pod gentleman that comes to the city every three to six months and you can just schedule a bod pod right in his truck. It takes five minutes. You get your scan and you're good to go. So I would prefer using that and maybe just setting up every three to six months, checking on things. Now, of course, you can use pictures and inches like tracking your inches and seeing where you're at with that. Also too, that progressive overload. If you are going into the gym every couple of weeks and able to either extend your lifting period where your eccentric movement goes from one second to three seconds, I'm, you're gaining muscle. If you are able to progress like your shoulder presses, maybe you started off at 10 pounds and now you're at 30, like you're gaining muscle. And so you can use those kind of cues also, you can use inches. Oftentimes that can be hard when you're in maintenance or even when you're in a surplus. Like if you're doing a strict like muscle gain program where you're in a bulk, it's going to be harder to see whether or not you are actually gaining muscle. But the big thing is if you're moving your body and you're, you're doing the progressive overload, you're challenging yourself and you're eating enough, you are gaining muscle. Now, of course, there are pieces like if you're not sleeping, if you're not drinking water, like you can lose a significant amount of muscle through cortisol issues. And that really leads us to our next question, which is was about uh, cortisol. Uh, what to prioritize first, diet, exercise, sleep, or lowering cortisol? Okay, so let's assume that your diet, your exercise, your sleep, your cortisol is totally a mess. I would focus on sleep, but by focusing on sleep, you're probably going to need to focus on diet and exercise. But if your sleep is haywire and your cortisol is super high, my suggestion for you would be to eat a whole foods diet, cut out the garbage. If you're drinking alcohol, stop. I don't mean cut back. I mean like actually stop drinking alcohol. It affects your sleep substantially. It also affects your ability to lose weight, aka fat and build muscle and also regulate your cortisol. It's not good stuff. 
Um, an exercise for you could be walking outside in the sunshine, snow time, whatever you need to do. If you are super high in cortisol, supplements like ashwagandha, 5-HTP, L-theanine, cordyceps, rhodiola, maca can be helpful. The concern with maca is it can also increase your testosterone, so you need to be careful of that. Supplements like holy basil that can lower your high cortisol can also affect the thyroid. Speaking from personal experience, I was experiencing some excess uh, cortisol symptoms. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to try holy basil. I'm sure my thyroid will be fine. Yeah, it wasn't fine. So um, just be cautious with that. And so you can use supplementation, but I would say like, if your cortisol is super high, that's not the time to like do a super strict program. And if you are doing a super strict program and your cortisol starts to be high, um, this is what happened to me probably about six months ago now. My cortisol continued to increase. I was having a substantial amount of like elevated cortisol symptoms. For me, it kind of shows up as feeling like super wired most times. Oftentimes, this can also show up as like anxiety, depression, bloating, PMS, a lot of PMS, uh, hypothyroid symptoms when you're getting like gassiness and difficult focusing, that can be a sign that you just have too much cortisol. And I was working out substantially. So I tested my adrenals with a Dutch urine test. Yep. Sure enough. High, high cortisol. So I lowered all of my weights and all of my exercises. I dropped down to four days workouts per week and work to address some of the infections that were causing some of the issues. I picked up a little bit of H. pylori along the way and so killed that off and then increased my workouts again. So sometimes those things happen. It's Your life is not in a vacuum. These things are going to happen. You're going to have to make shifts. But I would say that if your sleep is terrible and your adrenals are pumping out all the cortisol, now's not the time to then also bring in a substantial amount of exercise. So movement like walking and really focusing on a whole foods diet, cutting out that alcohol, prioritizing your sleep going to be super helpful. Okay, next question. How do you calculate the macros right for your own body? So we've talked about this a little bit. If the description that I'm about to share with you doesn't help and you're like, I still don't understand what to do and how to make all these pieces work. Again, you can go to healthfulpursuit.com slash macro. Grab that program for yourself. It's under $100. And on March 10th, I'm going to send you your outline along with a whole bunch of other resources I'm working on currently to kind of bring all this together based on all of your guys' questions and where you feel like you need support. So there are many macro calculators online. Find one, put in your information, and decide whether you're going to eat at maintenance, if you're going to eat at a lowered intake, or if you're going to do more of a bulk and like really focus on muscle gain. That's really all you got to do and determine kind of what your movement is going to be, plug it in and get to work. Okay. Uh, next question. What supplements are necessary in building muscle and recovery? So we talked about this a little bit with the creatine and aminos. So again, the aminos help with protein synthesis, absolutely essential. And the creatine helps with the short burst like movement. So I can really tell when I've skipped my creatine for a little while because I can't push out as many reps as I could when I'm on the creatine. This happened to me yesterday. I had an upper body day. I skipped creatine for three days and I swear to you, I would get to like the sixth rep of an eight rep set. And I could tell that I just didn't have the juice in the tank to get those muscles to fire as much. And so those two things and a good protein powder, it's going to help you with muscle um, building. It's going to help with recovery. That's kind of all you need. I personally also do collagen 
I really, really love the collagen. I kind of started it to help my gut and then my hair started growing really fast. And I also noticed I wasn't injuring myself as much. And I was like, Hey, wasn't dealing with as much inflammation and those things. I'll also include a link in the show notes that you can check that out for the collagen that I use. Today's podcast is sponsored by NutriSense. What your blood sugar is doing can significantly impact how your body feels and functions moment to moment. NutriSense lets you analyze in real time how your glucose levels respond to food, exercise, stress, sleep. So let me tell you a little bit about how it works. If you're not familiar with the continuous glucose monitor technology, basically it's a small device that you wear on the back of your arm. I swear it doesn't hurt to insert it. I promise you it does not hurt. And it allows you to track your glucose level in real time. Application is super easy. I promise it's painless. And each device lasts 14 days. Then you use the NutriSense app to help you interpret the data. So if you wear a CGM alone, all you're going to get is a number, but it's going to be hard to interpret that number based on food and adjustments and movement. And the NutriSense app does all of this for you. So if you're unsure what the app is showing you, though it is super straightforward, each subscription plan comes complete with one month of free nutritionist support. So your nutritionist will actually help you to interpret the data and provide suggestions based on your goals. Now, seeing this data in real time makes it super easy to identify what you're doing and where you need room for improvement. So if you're feeling a little bit off, where's your glucose level at? If it's super tanked or really high, you can adjust your activities in the moment based on what you're seeing. If you wake up in the middle of the night, was your glucose to blame? If you totally had the best workout of your life, where was your glucose at? Perhaps you feeled really, really well for this workout and you need to repeat it. By tracking and learning from and then acting on the data from your NutriSense app, you can expect to lose weight, provide stable energy throughout the day, better sleep, understanding which foods are good for you, control cravings, and my personal favorite, make lasting change. I've been using continuous glucose monitors now for about three years. I'm in love. I use them every couple of months to just help me kind of mitigate some adjustments I've made with my diet and movement and really tone things in a little bit. And then I'm off to the races again. So you can visit NutriSense.io slash KDP and use my code KDP for $30 off plus one month of free nutritionist support. Be sure to let them know that you're a listener of the Keto Diet Podcast when they ask you how you heard about NutriSense. Again, that's NutriSense.io slash KDP with the code KDP. Okay, next question. Do you remain in a caloric deficit with the calories you cut down to or do you increase calories? So we touched on this a little bit, but let's go through it a little bit more. So let's say at this 200 pound lady, right? She wants to get down to 150 pounds. When she starts tracking her macros, she finds out that she's eating 1200 calories a day. Her maintenance calories are 2000. What's she going to do? Well, she's going to start increasing her calories until she gets to the 2000. She's going to stay there for six months. I'm not even kidding you. Like six months. Yes. In the grand scheme of things, it's not huge. Focus on your movements. Now's the time that you're going to lift heavy, push heavy. You're going to notice you're so strong. Suck up those moments because it's so sweet. 
once she's been eating at that maintenance calories, this is just an example, 2000 calories. Okay. Now she's like, okay, I've been doing this six months, feeling really strong, going to start cutting. So she starts cutting down. Usually the, the key amount of calories for most individuals is 300 calories in a cut. So she works down to the 300 calories in her cut. Now she's eating 1700 calories per day. She's losing weight. Maybe she gets to 175 and she needs to take a diet break. She's going to calculate her maintenance calories at 175 pounds. She's going to get up to the amount, chill out for a little bit and be like, okay, let's go back in. Now she's going to calculate her reduction at her current weight, which is 175, maybe 178 because, you know, she overindulged a little bit on her maintenance. And then she's going to cut down to another 300 calories probably. So now maybe she's eating around like 1500, maybe 1450 for a little while to get down to the 150 pounds. Once she's at that, she's going to calculate her maintenance at her new 150 pound weight and stay there. Now, the body's going to fluctuate a little bit up and down. I would say when you start to see the scale move up more than five pounds consistently, it's time to like recalculate your maintenance calories, maybe do a mini cut and get back to that if you really want to keep it like close. But oftentimes as you start to do this more, you're like, okay, I want to eat in surplus and I want to build more muscle. Okay. I just built a significant amount of muscle. Now I want to cut and you can kind of play around back and forth with this. But if that's so overwhelming, you literally just eat at maintenance and watch your body change over time. Okay. So do you remain in a caloric deficit with the calories you cut down to? No, no, you do not. You go back to your maintenance at the current weight that you weigh. Okay. Best foods to support your body in a body recomp. I'm going to explain the foods that I eat because I feel pretty darn good about where I'm at with this. Okay. Eggs and egg whites. You will not get enough protein from like frying up four eggs and they'll just be too much fat. If you're going more of a, I'm not going to say lower fat to a ketogenic diet, but it's still like a significant amount of fat compared to low fat. Okay. So if you're doing more of a moderate carb approach, lower fat approach, I didn't say low fat. Okay. It's not low fat then you're going to want to bring in a little bit more protein in the form of egg whites. Now, if you're doing the keto approach, you're going to pound all the fat and you're going to do the fat. Um, like I said at the beginning, though, a lot of women overdo the fat. So please, let's not overdo the fat. Okay. Eggs, greens, any sort of vegetable fruit is on board. Let's do that. Beans. I love white rice. Sometimes, sometimes if I'm feeling a little crazy, I'll do like a gluten-free bread. That's very rare. Um, did I say beans? I love beans. Did I say beans? Super love beans. Those are kind of the carbohydrates. Let's go back to proteins. Um, so we talked about eggs, chicken. I like chicken breast. I like, oh, I love chicken tenders. Those tendies. Oh, they are so good. Chicken thighs. And that will be your fat source for that meal. Then pork tenderloin, super love the pork steaks. They're great. Uh, lean ground beef. Oh, I love filet mignon. That is like my little treat. Salmon, cod, canned tuna if it's mercury tested. My fats are usually almonds, avocado, the egg, the egg yolks. That's kind of my not thinking of anything. Like I said, the waffles that I make uh, before I go to the gym, they're just like rice flour. And I put a little maple syrup on it. So you can hear the carb theme, right? So currently where I'm at in maintenance, my maintenance carbs are 200 grams. And that's kind of where I've been for the last couple of months. And I'm really happy with that with my movement. 
if you're doing more of a keto approach, then your emphasis is going to be on the fats. And so your carbs list will probably include ideally some beans because they're super helpful for your gut, more lower carb fruits like bananas probably won't play a role, but apples will, berries will. And then your emphasis will be on the fats like almonds and cashews and MCT oil. Your protein powder is probably going to have some fats in it or you're going to add MCT oil. So you can see that it's on a teeter-totter. If you're looking at carbs being the essential part of your diet, then the carbs are going to be elevated and the fats are going to be lowered. Now, they're not going to be non-existent, okay? On my maintenance, I'm doing about, for myself personally, 60 to 70 grams of fat per day, and that works really, really well for me. That is by no means a low-fat diet, whereas if you're doing more of a keto approach to this, then it's really going to be inverse, where your fats are probably going to be anywhere between 100 to 150, and your carbs are going to be anywhere between 200 to 80, depending on where you're at, okay? So those are kind of the foods that I eat. A lot of a lot of it is thinking of color on my plate. And so the way that I've structured things now that I'm taking a little break from tracking is that I want a protein source the size of my palm. I want two different types of vegetables and I want them to be different colors. And if I'm doing a carb source, I'm going to have two carb sources. Usually they're each about the, the half or a third of the size of my palm for each serving. And Uh, within those carb sources, I want to make sure that there's a ton of different colors. So like for um, snack yesterday, I had pomegranate seeds and sweet potato. Okay, so different colors. Um, The other day it was red cabbage with parsley. And what did I have with that? I think I had a a red potato. And so the color is super, super essential. I think it's really easy when you get into the body recomp space. And I've definitely struggled to this too, is like, I'm just going to make, you know, protein stuff and add powders and things. And yeah, I do allow myself one meal a day where it's just like protein powder and whatever. And I don't know if it's overly quote unquote nutritious, but I cannot have every meal be super colorful and have a lot of time spent on it. It's just not realistic for me. Okay, next question. How do you overcome insulin resistance when doing macros? So a big, 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 big reason why I love the ketogenic diet and I love, 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 love it so much and I'm so thankful for it in my life is because it really, really helped me with our my glucose control and I am blown away that I can sit here and say, oh yeah, totally, I maintain my weight at 200 grams of carbs and it's no problem and I feel great. It's just mind-blowing. So I think a big piece here is wearing a CGM, if you can swing it. Uh, right now, actually, um, I'm sharing NutriSense in this podcast episode. And so if you haven't already looked at NutriSense or any of the CGM products, I encourage you to do so, especially if you're dealing with any glucose regulation. Um, it has been absolutely essential for me in my journey and healing my body and understanding kind of what my trigger points are when it comes to carbohydrates and glucose regulation. So NutriSense.org io slash kdp is the url you need and the promo code is kdp Uh, and there'll also be a little ad snippet on today's episode for that and then it's really about combining your foods properly so fiber is absolutely essential in every meal i have a personal fiber goal of 40 grams per day and that just really really helps with the glucose and also bowel movements which is essential And also too, understanding that if you're coming from a place of insulin resistance, you're probably not going to be able to do training on a higher carb approach. It's just not where you're at right now. I know that it wasn't for me for many years. And so using the ketogenic diet or even a lower 
ish carb diet where you're keeping your carbs like under 100 grams, but not as low as like 20 could be a really, really good option for you. And hey, moving your body, gaining that muscle, great for your insulin resistance. Okay, next question. Macros for fat loss while also working on improving thyroid and metabolic function. 100% without a doubt, maintenance calories. Yeah. What macros you choose are very dependent on your body and kind of what your movement is going to be like. But I would say without a doubt, maintenance calories when you're working on metabolic function, when you're working on sleep function, when you're addressing your adrenals, now is not the time to be like cutting your calories super low. Now, because your goal is fat loss while also working on improving thyroid metabolic function, if you find that when you kind of start tracking your meals, you're like, wow, I'm actually eating at maintenance now, then you could probably drop it down a tiny bit and lose like half a pound a week. And that is very maintainable, like very, very easy to do. And it's not super crazy, okay, and overwhelming for your body, especially for that thyroid as you start to shift. Now, usually, because we talked about this at the beginning, slow oxidizers need fast fuel, carbohydrates are fast fuel. So if you have if you are a slow oxidizer, meaning you have an impaired thyroid, you have slow thyroid activity, slow adrenal activity, you're probably going to do better off on carbs than you will a substantial amount of fat because fat is a, is a slow fuel and that will not help you. How much you decide on that is not like, it's not either or. You may not be in a deep state of ketosis, but you can still be on a lower carb diet where you're not pushing as high as I am currently with your carbohydrates. Maybe you're at like 100 instead of 50, okay? Okay, next question. Do you keep your regular macros on non-training days or go by different ones? Oh, this is so good. I love this question. Love, love, love this question. Because if you're thinking of every day as being a silo within itself of like, today I'm working out, therefore I need more fuel, but tomorrow I'm not, so I don't. It can be such a disordered way of looking at things. Also, your day off is in preparation for your next day, like your rest day, you're preparing for your next day movement. So I personally don't recommend that your macros be different on different days. Now, sometimes when you're cutting your macros and you're in a cutting phase, it can be helpful to like have one day where you're eating less and one day where you're eating a little bit more just so like you don't go mentally crazy. Um, so that definitely helps. But I would say, no, please don't just keep them the same. You shouldn't be thinking of, well, I, I didn't earn my food today because I didn't move. Therefore, I'm going to eat less. That is like a slippery slope, my friend. Okay, next question. Should you truly recomp or should you focus completely on fat loss or muscle gain? I feel like I've answered this pretty well, but I want to answer it kind of in a different way. Or maybe because this question was asked, you'll be like, oh, that makes so much sense. So can you truly recomp? Yes. Yes, you can truly recomp for sure. Or should you focus on complete fat loss or, com or complete muscle gain? You can do all of the above. If you are a 300 pound woman who's been eating at maintenance calories for 10 years, you're ready to do a fat loss program and you're going to lose fat fairly quickly. If you're a 300 pound woman and you've been eating 1200 calories, there's nowhere, again, the bank account is empty. You gotta get up to maintenance calories because you're not going to lose fat. There's nowhere for you to go. Your body is just like trying to put together all the things based on the very little pieces that you give it on a daily basis. So 
Yes, you can truly recomp. You don't need to just focus on fat loss or muscle gain. It is fun to do both, but you really need to park it in maintenance for like six months before you do a fat loss program or a cut program. And even when you're doing the cut program, I wouldn't do it more than 12 weeks. I made the mistake of like, starting a cut in July and not ending it into like November, December. And it was so stupid. And I should have just like sat down. This is the thing about coaches. We like coach other people and then we just don't think about ourselves. And then I was really, really struggling. And I'm like, why am I really struggling? Oh yeah. Yes. Cause I've been on a cut for like way too long. Like three months is more than enough before you get into maintenance, take it easy. And maybe even at then you're like, wow, I, I gained a lot of muscle at maintenance. I kind of want to see what it would look like if I went into like a bulk and I ate more food and then cut in a year from now. Okay. So you can play around with that, but you can truly recomp at maintenance. Yes, you can. Okay. Next question. Finding a little hunger is uncomfortable. Any tips for dealing with hunger? Yeah, I know it's mentally uncomfortable for me too. I think the big, big piece is like, if you've been in a cut for more than six to 12 weeks, it's too long and you need to go to maintenance because it's starting to get to you mentally. So that's like the first piece. I really like filler foods when I'm doing cuts. And so like, for example, instead of eating half a cup of white rice, I know I need the carbohydrates. It's my day of training or whatever, but I really want the volume. Like I want to feel the fullness. I'll mix that with like a full cup of cauliflower rice. And so there's that volume there. So you get more full. I find for myself, though I require volume, a lot of people that require volume also deal with digestive issues if we push the volume too much. And so yes, volume can be super, super helpful. But if you're pushing it too much, you can deal with more digestive issues. And that's never fun. Oftentimes, hunger is going to come in the evening. Okay, so a couple of ways around this is move your evening meal later so you don't deal with it. Or when you know you're going to be hungry, my time is like 730. I will go for a walk. I will plan an activity with friends. I will go do literally anything to keep my mind off of it. Uh, another really helpful one when you're training and really, really pushing is L-glutamine. I know I didn't cover that in the supplements because I kind of forgot because it's not something that I usually recommend all the time. But sometimes I'll add L-glutamine to some peppermint tea and drink that. Other times I'll save some of my like carbs for the evening and I'll have like a bowl of popcorn that can be really helpful. And sometimes when I'm super hungry and I'm feeling like super off, it's because I didn't eat enough fat that day. And then I really like the eating evolved um, keto white chocolate because it doesn't have any of the caffeine in it. And I'll have some of that right before bed to help me sleep. So there's that. Okay. Um, let's see anything I need to lose 50 pounds, but I hear so much clatter and one says to do that and one says to do this. I hope that what I've shared today has been helpful in kind of clearing things up. There was an episode actually, it's coming out February 6th where we talk about how to know what's right for you. That's going to come out February 6th, episode 459. I would encourage you to listen to that when it comes out because we talk a lot about how to know with all that clatter, like what you should actually be doing. Okay. Um, next question is, I know what I need for protein. How do I calculate carbs and fat? Again, that teeter totter. So it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter what you're doing for carbs and fat other than if you're a slow oxidizer, fast oxidizer, and you just need different fuels. So just think of them. Like if I'm doing a ton of carbs today, I'm not going to do a ton of fat. If I'm doing a ton of fat, I'm not going to do a ton of carbs. And so if you know that your protein needs to make up 600 calories of your day, and you know that you need to eat 2000 calories, 
calories, you have 1400 calories to play around with, whether it be carbs or fat. And that's kind of like the best way to look at this. So yeah, there we have it. Oh my goodness. We made through it all, all the things, all of the, all these questions about food. I'm like, I can't wait to have some steak. So I'm going to go make my steak for the day. Uh, makes it sound like I have steak every day. I don't actually have steak every day, but it's definitely a highlight. And I defrosted some yesterday. So I'm really excited to dive in. I hope that you got more than something out of today's episode. If you want me to do another one like this, head on over to Instagram, follow me at Leanne Vogel. And just let me know that you liked today's episode. And if you have more questions, just DM me and send them over. I'll start collecting them and we'll just continue to do these things. Even if it has nothing to do with today's topic, I really like hearing from you guys. I'm most active on Instagram. And so go ahead and follow me on there if you have it. And if you're wanting that personal macro program, go to healthfulpursuit.com slash macro, grab that, fill in your details, and I will be in touch on February 10th with your outline, which will go through either a keto approach, if you tell me you want more of a keto approach, a non-keto approach, if you tell me that you want that, and then macros for fat loss, muscle gain, okay, so a cut means fat loss, a bulk means muscle gain, or a recomp, which is at maintenance, which we described all these levels in today's episode. So those macros will be in there and a bunch of steps and tools in order for you to kind of figure out where you need to be, how you need to do it. So I will be in touch with you on February 10th with that. Okay, this has been fun. Let's do it again sometime soon. I'll see you back here for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. Bye. Thanks for listening. Join us next Tuesday for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. Looking for more resources? Go to healthfulpursuit.com for keto meal plans, weight loss programs, low-carb recipes, and oodles of free resources to get you going. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representation or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program. 